This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. We're so glad you've joined us for another episode of Church for the Rest of Us on this podcast. And I'm here with our communications director, Leslie Bennett, continuing our series of interviews with some of our community partners at Family Church. That's right, Jimmy. We talked last week about how we shifted our philosophy from trying to be all things to all people to be focusing on being the church in here while partnering with other like-minded churches to be the church out there. No doubt about it. And just so our listeners know, we end all of our services at every campus and every language at Family Church with this phrase, it's been awesome being the church in here. Now let's go be the church out there. And that's our ways of reminding ourselves that we're here to be kingdom outposts where we live and where we work and where we play. And we're here to do what Jesus would do if he was physically here. And our guests today, Leslie, are doing just that. These guys are being Jesus to some of the most under-resourced people in our entire community in Palm Beach County. And so these are my friends, Chris Tress and Proverb Newsom. So Chris and Proverb, why don't you guys introduce yourselves to our listeners? All right. Awesome. Uh, my name is Proverb Newsom. I'm married to Pam Newsom. I have two kids, Micah, who's 12, and Miles, who's 10. I'm also a West Palm Beach native. Yeah. So I'm, I love this city and everything it has to offer. And I'm really excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, believe it or not. I listen all the time. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Cool. And my name is Chris Tress. Uh, my wife is Colleen. Uh, we have two children, Riley. Uh, she is 13. My, my son, Christopher, is 14. And so we're in those middle school years, which has been exciting. And uh, also my faith has uh, been tested, but that's another topic, that's another a- time. And so, uh, yeah, but my wife and I and our children, we've moved into the uh, the Tamron Avenue community to be kind of urban missionaries, if you will. Uh, doing cross-cultural ministry. So it's our life's calling and life's work. So so you guys are both connected with uh, Urban Youth Impact. That's a fantastic organization mm-hmm. in our community. Why don't you guys talk a little bit about your role at UYI and what UYI actually does? Awesome. Well, I, I work for Chris, so he's the boss. <laughs> Big uh, boss. So pretty much do whatever he tells me. Okay, that's how, I got That's you. how it works. That's easy. <laughs> My official role is uh, Director of Staff and Student Development. And so what I do normally is work with kids, and I work with staff as well. And trying to develop our staff, trying to develop our staff culture, um, trying to make sure that we're all on the same page collectively so that we present the right narrative to people who want to fund what we do. We also want to give back to our community in the form of we're there to serve. We're not there to be entitled. We're not there to be Superman, if you will. We're there to show uh, the gospel to our community, to our families every day. And so what that looks like for us is uh, a variety of different services. The biggest one being the Leadership Academy, which is our after-school program for kindergartners through eighth grade. All right, Privin. So you've been with UII how long? 
It'll be 13 years in December. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. All right, and Chris, talk about your role, which has changed quite a bit in the last several sure, months. Sure. So I started uh, with Urban Youth Impact in 98. I uh, worked there for 12 years, and uh, my last position was director of ministry. And one of the things we, we realized is we had a number of kids in our outreaches come to Christ, put their faith in Christ, but they weren't really connecting, if you will, with some of the local churches. And so we felt led at that time to plant a church, of which we did in 2000. 2011. And the church began to grow. I stepped down from my position at Urban Youth Impact, and I've been uh, this kind of senior pastor since then. And a few years ago, I came back on at Urban Youth Impact as uh, vice president the first year, but the second year in January, I've taken over as president of Urban Youth Impact. So I'm kind of doing a, a dual role uh, right now, bivocational, which I know you guys understand that language. We do. Here. So, yep. Yeah. So that's that's what I do. Yeah. All right. So uh, talk to me a little bit about why Urban Youth felt it was so important to be connected with a church like Bowdown. Well, we encountered, so there's tradition in the uh, uh, inner city community as far as the church culture, if you will. So some of our kids were kind of having a, a difficult time. We primarily were reaching out to unchurched children. And and so they didn't have church clothes. A three-hour service kind of didn't really fit their paradigm. Three-piece suits, three offerings, all that kind of stuff. And so we decided, man, we're reaching these kids, these children, kind of where they are. Let's kind of create a different type of church where they can kind of fit into. Now, we went also uh, would take kids to the suburbs as well. Uh, but there was a sense, not from the suburban churches, but from their own mouths that we don't fit in here. We feel like this is a rich people's church. Mm -hmm. And so we connected with a ministry out of Los Angeles that does church planting specifically for urban poor communities, uh, whether it's Korean, whether it is African-American like the one we're in. And so they target and they plant churches specifically for the urban poor. And so uh, that's what uh, we felt led to do. And that's that's kind of why we did it. So you're bringing the children to church primarily, and then their parents come too, or are you focused on reaching, when you say children, what are you talking about? Yeah, so when we first started, we would have, and it was hard, we had about 12, 15 adults as a church plant, but we had about 80 kids coming to kids' church. <laughs> wow. uh, and that wore down our staff, and we actually had to shut it down for a while. And then we had to relaunch again when we had more people. And so, for instance, we have uh, 11 outreaches in the Tamron Avenue community every single week right now with about 150 kids. We send around a bus every Sunday morning to pick up the children to come to church. And so, the hope is that as the kids receive the gospel, their parents would eventually come. But again, these children are coming from predominantly unchurched homes. So where this is where you started to have to develop your own leadership. Is that right? So now you have like a residency program that you're running. We do. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we do. So that's called Project 516. It's a 10-month program where young people can move into the inner city for 10 months. Uh, we take care of everything. So there's no cost for the program. And they get trained, equipped, discipled. They serve in outreaches, mentoring children. 
and uh, they memorize Matthew 5, 6, and 7 because this is a description of how to live in the kingdom of God. We teach and train them. They read 12 books. It's really, really intense. They get up every morning at 5.30 in the morning. They do an hour-long prayer walk through the inner city, and so I could get more depth on that, but that's basically the overview, and so we're trying to raise up leaders that are willing to lay down their life for the children in this community. So... Anyway. Proverb, you've grown up in West Palm Beach. Talk to our listeners a little bit about when we talk about the Tamarind Avenue community, yeah. what are we talking about? Wow. So every city really has a that place, yeah. right? Let's put it like that. So, you know, if you're out west in, in California, that place might be Compton. Okay. Or if you're in New York, uh, that place might be New York. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> here, that place is considered uh, Tamarind Avenue. And uh, that's where a lot of unfortunate stuff happens. It's a concentrated area of disadvantage. Uh, so there's a lot of people there that they're struggling just to get by and to support themselves and their family. They might get engaged in some stuff that's not legal. Um, and then there's just some people who are just doing what they do because they're sinful. You know, we're sinners, right. we're all sinners. So Tamron is known as that place. And at, at a point in time, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I think I heard it from you. Uh, PBAU actually encouraged their freshman students, their incoming class, not to go to that area because it's dangerous. Am I right on that? Is that what you heard? That's what I heard. That's what you heard. Okay. So, so, so it's not well, gospel. When I but... moved to West Palm Beach, I was encouraged to be careful about right. Tamarind Avenue. Yeah, so I mean, yes, it wouldn't be, would, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be terrible yeah. advice to offer a college freshman, to right. be honest with you. Right, right, right. So so what other people consider dangerous and, and don't go down there is what I call home because I grew up there, right? right. I yeah. lived on 6th and Tamarind from the time I was born till I was about 18 years old. And so it was my community. It was communal. You know, I knew the lady next door. She knew me. We had what what the hood knows as a lily. Candy lady. Candy yeah. lady. Uh -huh. Lily dilly lady. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just the way it was. You know, it was it was community. And if I was out there acting foul, people knew my parents. They knew who, right. they knew where we lived and they would, the word would get back before I got back. And, <laughs> right. and you could guess what we'd be waiting for me when I got there. And so it was just home for me. It wasn't a dangerous place, but I saw stuff as a kid that I probably shouldn't have seen as a kid because of the environment. Right. Um, but that's what that's what Tamron Avenue is. And so, Chris, you move your family there just because that's where you're going to serve. That's where you're going to work. Talk a little bit about the challenges of doing that and what that's like for you. Sure. I mean, the the initial thing was okay. I'm I'm doing outreaches in here, and and the young people are saying, "Listen, this is a great gospel, but you don't live here." You don't know what it's like. And so when you read John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's an aspect where we really felt like in order to be effective, we needed to be with the people who we are proclaiming this message, this life-changing gospel to. And so, man, there's been great stories. There's been bad stories. There's been some, you know, like in every community, right? The, the issue is sin. The issue is sin. It's not a color thing. It's, it's sin. And so... We've experienced people that have been prejudiced towards us, discriminating against us. My, my wife's Irish. But then there's also been welcoming and loving people on the block as well. And then the people that, you know, maybe have not treated us the way we wanted to be treated. We understand the generations of, hey, 
people have been trained to maybe look a certain way or just assume something because of the color of somebody's sin. So I think not only do we share the gospel, but as Paul says, we share the gospel, but also our own lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. That's what we've wanted to do. And yeah, it's it's been different, but you have to establish credibility. So uh And once people know you're real, hey, they'll accept you, you know? I'm sure you have tons of stories, but maybe you can just share one story with our listeners on one of you about some things or a person that you've really seen change through your ministry. Probably uh, JJ, uh, who we met through Urban Youth Impact when he was in diapers. He grew up, graduated from Forest Hill High School, did our our Project 516 discipleship program, married a young lady who graduated from PBA that also did that discipleship program, had the opportunity to, he got married. He's a deacon at our church and he now works full-time at Youth for Christ. But he was born on 6, raised on 6 in Tamron, same street Proverb was. And so it's been neat to see him overcome, especially with older brothers in and out of prison, you know, no dad around, just to see him now walk in the fullness of Christ. And now he's out proclaiming this message, this life-changing message, and is in full-time ministry. So now he's making disciples. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of my faves. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. He was you, in my Proverb? wedding. Yeah. How about you, Proverb? Tell me a great story. Wow. 14 years. Man, you know, it. it's very ironic. I don't have a drastic story like that. With my grind, it's more slow and steady. So I might come into urban youth I just came into kids that were just super disrespectful, kids that had no respect for authority, their parents, let alone me or anybody else that worked at Urban Youth Impact, with the exception of maybe Bill, uh, because Bill had had been there, right? And so they knew Bill. uh, They knew what Bill looked like. They knew what Bill uh, expected, and they they would live up to that. Bill was the founder. Right. Bill Bill Hobbs is the founder, president of UII. So for me, I'm, I'm just coming in this new cat, and they're like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, my name is Mr. Proverb. I just came to work here. I'm going to be here for a long time. I hope to get to know you. And so right off the bat, I think God told me that you're here to instill uh, respect and authority. And so I was like, okay, well, let's do that then. (laughs) And so it was a huge task to get that done. It required a lot of just sitting and observing and just slam back, you know, because where I'm from carries no credibility because they don't know me. I could say, I'm from your street. They don't care. You know, they want to know, okay, so you're from my street. What have you done? You know, can I trust you? Can I talk to you? Are you trustworthy? All that stuff. And so for me, a good story would be like when I came in, a kid would cuss me up and down. But on a good day, that kid would look at me and say, hey, Mr. Proverb, I'll see you tomorrow. And that to me is small, but that's a huge win because yesterday he was just cussing me. Now he's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And he's looking forward to seeing me tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so on my part, I better be there tomorrow for him to see. Well, I love that about you guys. And to me, both of you men have such credibility in our community and with me as a pastor and as a friend because of the faithfulness that you put on display to your wives, to your children, and to the community that you have been called to serve And you guys have given your lives to this whole concept. And I don't think you did it to get rich. (laughs) And I don't think you, I don't think you did it because it's easy every day. And uh, if anybody in the world has a sense of mission and calling to a mission field, it's you two guys. That's what I love about both of you and the testimony for Jesus that you are to me personally and to to my family, which is why I want to ask you guys talk about how you wish more established churches 
would get involved. Or maybe you'd like to say, let me tell you how some established churches are involved. Mm. I'd love to hear about that because this has got to be something that uh, it, bow down can't do it all alone. Right. What is happening or what should be happening? Yeah. yeah. So we obviously need volunteers. We need people that say, hey, yeah, we, we would love to come serve. We would love to come invest. And so we have applications and we can onboard and process. But the best story that I've experienced since my time there is we actually had, it's a, it's a smaller church, uh, but it's the refuge church up in, up in gardens. And what they've done is they have said, we will come down into a housing project once a week as a church. So again, they, they probably have about 25, 30 people. It's a smaller church, but they come down every single Tuesday night. They've been doing that for four years. A family, the kids that they were mentoring, and we tell our we tell our volunteers when they come in, hey, we want to eventually get you to mentor because mentoring, life on life, really, that changes lives, especially with Jesus with the 12, right? So outreaches are great, but if you ever want to mentor somebody, grab them, mentor them. Well, they started mentoring this, this family. Well, the, the parents' rights were just taken away. And so now they're actually fostering three of these children because there's some stuff that happened. And so it's just an amazing story of people being faithful, people being committed. Uh, but that's the best story. I mean, that that's epic for me when people invest and they invest for the long term. Because it's it's uh, in the inner city, if you're going to make some some real change and some some real progress, you have to be faithful. The people have to believe in you. And I think that's what Prov was alluding to. Hey, Mr. Proverb, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to test you up front to see if you're real. But then once you're in, you're in. You know, they can trust you. People don't care how much you know till they know yeah. how much you care, right? It's the old saying. Yeah. And a good one. Yeah. And a true one. How about you, Proverb? You've been around this community a long time. Mm-hmm. What would you like to see or what do you see churches doing? Like Chris said, we've had schools come in. Like Jupiter Christian School, they come in, yep. they spend many mester with us. And for that, for that period of time, it's two weeks. One week, um, they send people overseas and they send people here locally, domestically to do missions. And then the next week, they, you know, they have spring break just like every other school. They spent the last two years with us for one week, which was great because we need the help and, it opens their eyes as much as it helps our kids. It's it's really, when you look at it, it's a cultural exchange, right? And they're bringing Jesus, but they don't know that much about what we do or the neighborhood. And then our kids might have limited exposure to white people. Let's be honest. Right. So, uh, but they get to rub shoulders together. They get to ask questions together. They get to feel empathy towards each other. And uh, by the end, it's hard for them to leave, and it's hard for our kids to let them go. Another way that I know that you guys at Family Church have partnered with local schools is, you know, you send parishioners into schools to help them uh, resource the school, help in classrooms and stuff. Urban Youth Impact would love to have that as well. Uh, so if churches are looking for uh, a place to volunteer and yeah. land, we would love to have you come and volunteer at our leadership academy with with a team leader and just read to a kid or just hang out in a classroom and help a kid discover life and do life with them. All right, well, let me ask you this question. So we got listeners all over the country and all over the world, and they're listening to this. And like you said, I think it was your phrase, Proverb, when I asked about Tamron, you said, Every community has that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if the town's big or town's small. Every little town has that place too. Right. Right. So if somebody's listening to this and they say, man, I love what these guys are talking about. I love the vision. But my church is at a zero when it comes to this. My church isn't making any difference in that place in our town. How could a pastor or a leader or somebody help their church move from a zero 
to a one or a two, just begin to take baby steps and make progress? How could they do it? I would say find out and identify what that place is and then find out who's doing work in that place. And if you can do those two things, uh, then you connect with the, the people doing work and that's step one. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would say the same thing, but also, you know, beginning with the end in mind, there needs to be specifically if headway is going to be made in these communities, we have to, we have to finish, you know, the, 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 the good Samaritan, when, when he left the guy at the end, he says, when I return, a lot of outreaches are kind of drive-bys, if you will. And we have to have a plan. When I return, I will pay what's old. And Jesus, when he works with us, he doesn't just stay with me for a little while, but it's all the way until Christ is formed in you, the Apostle Paul said, right? So so I think that's important as well, that, that on the front end, you also count the cost. And man, am I going to remain faithful to this thing and what God is calling me to? So that would be my... Do you all have like an association of like-minded organizations that you work with or a reference point that you could point people to of, you know, other urban youth impact type organizations? They are all across, all across the country. And yeah, so Google could, could help out, help that out. But I mean, locally, I know Jay Ministries is, is up in Riviera. There's a community center up in Jupiter. Um, I can't recall, uh, you know, what it, what it's called, but I know there's a local church, uh, Pastor Dan Plord partners with a community center there with his church. So, uh, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. Look, if somebody's listening to this and they say, I, I'm interested in whatever's going on in my community, but I like these guys. I like what they're saying. I like Urban Youth Impact. How could they learn more about UYI or if they wanted to even get involved financially or with prayer support or volunteering or whatever? How could they make a connection with UYI? Yeah. So our website, urbanyouthimpact.com, and and you'll be able to get everything that you need on there. There is a donate button for sure. <laughs> and But yeah, we would love to connect and we would love to have you come and, and join us and what we believe God has called us to do. I'm sure that all of our listeners will consider how they might partner with other like-minded organizations to be the hand and feet of Jesus in their communities. And we'll have contact information for Chris and Proverb in our show notes. Leslie's going to make sure of that. Just in case you want to find out more about what they're doing or about organizations like theirs in your community. I think we can all do a little bit better when it comes to being the church out there. And I thank you guys for helping us do that today. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.